Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 43 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. After conception, if a fertilised egg splits in two, it produces identical twins. They can share the same sac in the womb, rapidly growing entwined with each other. Their DNA is almost identical, so similar in fact it was only until recently impossible to tell them apart. When they are raised, they encounter many of life's milestones together. They go to the same school, know the same people, and often experience the same things. When they are grown, the twins might go their separate ways, but the intense bond they formed when they were young is still strong when they meet again. This is the case of Ursula and Sabina Erickson. On November 3rd, 1967, Sabina had lived on the north side of Mallow County, Cork in Ireland for several years. In May 2008, she was now 40 years old. 
the mother of two worked as a hairdresser. She lived with her partner, the children's father. Locals of Mallow, which had a small population of around 12,500 in the 2016 census, said Sabina was a quiet woman. They'd often seen her shopping for clothes in town. She had a taste for Irish designers. Sabina Eriksson was originally from Sweden. She had an identical twin, Ursula. In 2008, her sister was going to travel from America to Ireland so they could spend some time together. Ursula had emigrated to the United States around eight years earlier. The twins were the younger siblings of an older brother and sister. They all grew up in beautiful Sunni, a Swedish town in Varmland. When Ursula arrived on Irish soil, Sabina's partner noted a change in their behaviour. The sisters were acting strangely. Only a day later, he could not track them down. The siblings had vanished into thin air. Sabina's partner did not know where the two women had gone. However, he later confirmed that he had an argument with Sabina the night before she left. The next time he would hear about what had happened was not from her directly, but from a third party. Merseyside Police. The sisters had left Ireland, crossing over to Liverpool by ferry. Once there, they went to St Anne Street Police Station to tell officers they had concerns about Sabina's two children in Ireland. Unable to personally visit the home as it was in a different jurisdiction, Merseyside Police called the authorities in Dublin and the complaint was relayed to them. On Saturday, May 17th, 2008, the twins boarded a National Express coach from Liverpool to London just before midday. The coach stopped near Keel Services in Staffordshire, eight miles from Stoke-on-Trent. The stop was not a planned break on the route, but something about their behaviour made the coach driver take a detour. The twins were observed acting strangely on the journey. They had an intense focus and protectiveness over the bags they were carrying. Ursula and Sabina got out at the service station off the M6, but due to their increasingly erratic conduct, the coach driver decided he would not let them back on board. They would not be parted from their luggage refusing to neither place the bags in the hold while travelling, nor let the driver see what was inside. Although they had paid their fare, the coach left to continue the journey to London without them. The manager of the service station had been informed of the situation and carefully observed the two women. As they were holding the bags so close to their chests, There were fears that the twins had something dangerous concealed inside, potentially a bomb. 
The manager called the Staffordshire police who arrived at the service station to talk to the women. The sisters explained the coach driver taking them to London had left them behind. They said they chose to disembark because they were both feeling unwell. An officer found the phone number for Ursula and Sabina to arrange for another coach to stop and pick them up. He then left the two women believing that they posed no threat. They were not breaking the law. After the officer departed, Sabina and Ursula left the safety of the service station. They started a journey by foot on the hard shoulder of the motorway. Their movements were captured in grainy footage taken by CCTV cameras. It showed Sabina being clipped by a red Seat Leon before the sisters reached the narrow verge between the lanes. At the Highways Agency Control Centre in Birmingham, an employee watched the footage live. They were concerned for the women's safety, being sandwiched between two lanes on a hectic motorway. A Highways Agency patrol unit was swiftly dispatched to try and guide Sabine and Ursula out of danger. What should have been a straightforward task turned out to be anything but... In their marked cars, officers from the Highway Patrol Agency approached the two women. Their response was unusual. The sisters were not comforted by the officers' arrival. They were visibly distressed. They panic and deliberately run into the road at oncoming traffic. A call for assistance is made to PC Paul Finlayson of the Central Motorway Police Group. He hears the message on his radio when he is nearby with his partner PC Tracy Cope. They pull up to the scene. Traffic darts by. Drivers unaware of what happened only moments earlier. At first, Ursula and Sabina appear to be okay. Sabina is smoking a cigarette. Ursula, wearing a green fleece-like jacket, all of a sudden sprints into the road. An officer reaches out trying to stop her and pull her back. Yet it's only a handful of her jacket. Ursula hasn't slowed in the slightest. She runs to lane three, the fast lane, before she is hit by a Mercedes-Benz articulated lorry. A baseball cap can be seen rolling in the road. A police officer dressed in a luminous jacket is filmed close up, using his radio to call for an ambulance. While he is still preoccupied with a shocking accident that is most likely a fatality, a flash of red can be seen in the background. It's Sabina Erickson's long red cardigan. She has run into the busy motorway towards her sister. Almost simultaneously, the officers hear the screech from a car's brakes. 
PC Paul Finlayson updates the call handler. There now could be two possible fatalities. A silver Volkswagen Polo made contact with Sabina on the first lane she crossed. Her body flies in the air. She lands on the vehicle, shattering the windscreen into large pieces. Chaos ensues. As it happened so fast, it was impossible to close the road. Passers-by are rubbernecking at the accident, and the cars involved are at a standstill. There is a real possibility of more members of the public creating a pile-up and being at risk. Shutting down the lane is now a matter of urgency. It is hard to comprehend why the two women were so determined to dart out in front of oncoming traffic. Incidents of people ending their lives by stepping in front of a speeding vehicle is not unheard of. But two women attempting it in tandem in the presence of police officers was a new and unexpected experience for everyone involved. At this juncture, the assumption was that the authorities were dealing with two women who had taken an illegal drug that had made them violent, and they could be hallucinating. No one could be sure until the sisters were taken to hospital. Ursula unbelievably is still alive, but her legs have been broken by the impact of the lorry. The wheels of the enormous trailer had run her over. She lays in the road on white-painted markings. Her bones are protruding. From a distance, they look almost flat on the tarmac. Her pale pink t-shirt and green fleece have ridden up to just above her waist during the accident. The full extent of the injuries were covered by her army green trousers. Ursula's light blonde hair is in stark contrast to the dark grey surface of the tarmac she is lying on. She is still when PC Paul Finlayson attends to her wounds with his first aid kit. It seems insignificant compared to the injuries, but it is all the officer has until paramedics arrive. Ursula is wrapped in a blanket. She is urged to keep still, but she is obviously in distress moving her arms and calling for the police. PC Paul Finlayson tells her in a panicked voice, We are policemen. We are here to help. Ursula responds, I recognise you. I know you're not real. She fails to comprehend what is going on. The upper half of her body is striking out, while the bottom half is eerily motionless. She spits at PC Paul Finlayson who tries to explain firmly, You're hurt. Keep still. 
He repeats this several times, but the words fall on deaf ears. Ansela continues to struggle. She shouts, Fucking asshole. Her sister Sabina is lying in the road. The driver of the vehicle that hit her, a young woman, cradles her head. She is unconscious. Her knees fall to one side. After she had been flipped in the air, landing on the roof and windscreen of the car, she lay there like her twin as a blanket was placed over her. Highway Patrol Officer Tracy Cope crouches down, trying to assist Sabina. Initially, she seems like the more docile of the two. She stirs, making the young woman holding her head jump. Moments after she is awake, she says, They're going to steal your organs. Her eyes are wide and round. Sabina's mood, like Ursula, is far from calm. In a split second, despite the accident, Sabina is on her feet. Officer Cope tries to pull her back and stop Sabina from running out onto the busy motorway again. This time, she might not be so lucky. Sabina lashes out, striking the officer. Then she jumps over the low metal barrier and onto the thin strip of grass that separates the opposite lanes of the motorway. A small red family car is stationary on the first road that she crosses. Officers are shouting in panic. Sabina runs across the last lane in front of moving traffic with no regard for her personal safety. PC Finlayson in hot pursuit pleads with her to calm down as she bounds from one foot to the other appearing aggressive as if she wants to punch him for following her. As miraculous as the events before it that day, Sabina narrowly avoids all oncoming vehicles. At one point she removes her long red cardigan and disposes of it on the tarmac. It seems almost impossible to safely detain the pair, particularly Sabina as she is mobile. Members of the public who had left their vehicles at a standstill across each lane to stop any more traffic assist the police officers as they physically detain her. PC Finlayson later noted that in the struggle, Sabina exhibited phenomenal strength. The events of that day would be hard to believe if it were not for a camera crew who filmed the entire incident. The documentarians happened to be at the scene filming the BBC TV show Motorway Cops. They capture every jaw-dropping detail which a CCTV camera never could from such a distance away. Sabina is filmed shouting, Help! Help! while looking directly into the camera. She is carried away by a crowd of people who are each trying to hold on to her limbs that appear to have a life of their own. 
Even so, Sabina manages to squirm and free her legs as she kicks out violently. But finally, she is overpowered, sedated and handcuffed before being placed in an emergency vehicle. Her sister Ursula is transported by air ambulance to a hospital eight miles away. The two patients were now on their way for treatment in Stoke-on-Trent. The officers left at the scene picked up the sisters' clothing and belongings. Artifacts that were now debris in the road. A small reminder of an incident that was assumed to be caused by narcotics or alcohol, as the twins had both mirrored each other's behaviour. The bags Ursula and Sabina were so focused on while on their coach journey were now in the possession of officers. A passport for one of the women was found inside, and curiously a number of mobile phones laptops, and duty-free cigarettes. A mere five hours after Sabina Erickson had been admitted to hospital being hit by a car with so much force that the roof was dented and the windscreen smashed, it was deemed she was fit enough to be discharged. She wandered outside the entrance in her hospital gown. The police officers who collected her to take her to the station decided that extra precautions were not needed, as she now did not appear to be violent or threatening. Sabina simply kept adjusting her hair, which was styled in a ponytail. The woman sitting in the police car seemed to be completely different in temperament to the person running across a busy motorway earlier that day. She did not appear to be angry or aggressive. When at the station, she chatted and smiled with officers. She told one of them, They say in Sweden that an accident rarely comes alone. Usually at least one more follows. Perhaps two. Sabina did not ask or question after her sister Ursula while in police custody. She appeared to be happy. An officer described this as odd. In the context of what had happened that day, it was easy to understand why she was being perceived that way. The next day, May 19th, 2008, Sabina appeared before Fenton Magistrates Court charged with assaulting a police officer and trespass on a motorway. At the brief hearing, the judge told Sabina she was to serve one day in prison a day which she had already spent behind bars, so now she was free to go. Simultaneously, some three miles west, Sabina's sister Ursula was being treated in hospital for her injuries. Testing was undertaken to see if she was under the influence of drugs or alcohol but not a trace of either was found in her system. 
the initial assumption that the twins were under the influence was now unfounded. Without the simple explanation of erratic behaviour due to narcotics, the busy motorway incident was even more puzzling. Sabina Eriksson's partner and the father to her children was contacted in Ireland via telephone. He had no idea where she was or why she had travelled to England. Now released, Sabina was in a strange place. She was alone with only a see-through plastic bag that contained her belongings. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours, and the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. 
That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Sabina was in the unfamiliar surroundings of Fenton, one of the six towns which form Stoke-on-Trent. It appeared as if her mental health was on a downward spiral. As she walked the street shortly before 7pm, she was called over to the other side of the road by two dog walkers with a black dog. She remarked on how friendly the animal was. It was being walked by its owner, 54-year-old Glenn Hollinshead, and his friend, 27-year-old Peter Malloy. They were just strolling back from the Royal Oak pub. They let Sabina pet Glenn's dog, Troy. The woman told them that she was trying to find her sister, who was in the hospital. At the end of the chat, Sabina asked for directions to a hotel or bed and breakfast, although there was nothing locally the men could suggest. Sabina seemed nervous. They assumed that all she had to her name was in that see-through plastic bag. It contained the long red cardigan she wore at the time of the motorway incident. She was wearing her sister's green fleece. The other belongings in the bag were found amongst her things the day before by police, including £1,000 in cash. Glenn Hollinshead felt sympathy for the woman standing before him, and on the spur of the moment offered her a place to stay at his home on Duke Street. He said he would make her something to eat then they would try and find her sister. The three got back to Glenn's house and the men tried to find out more about their new acquaintance. But she was acting strangely, quickly peering out of the blinds, then snapping them shut. They thought that maybe she was running away from someone. Sabina said she had hardly eaten anything all day. Glenn prepared some ham sandwiches. Sabina then reached into the plastic bag she was carrying and offered the two men a cigarette. They both gladly accepted. But when they went to light them, Sabina yanked the cigarettes from Glenn and Peter's mouths. She explained they could be poisoned, though strangely she had previously been smoking from the same packet. The trio spent a few more hours in each other's company and had a few drinks, but it was getting late, almost midnight. On top of that, Sabina was making Peter uncomfortable. He decided it was time to leave and went home. Peter later told a reporter for This Is Staffordshire. There were a million and one signs that something wasn't right, but there was absolutely no way I could have imagined what was going to happen to Glenn. Sabina was friendly, but I felt nervous about her, and I should have trusted my feelings.
Glenn Hollinshead, who had previously served in the Royal Air Force and as a paramedic, was the second oldest of five sons. The twice-divorced father of three worked as a self-employed welder who lived on his own in Duke Street. Glenn had a reputation for being a nice, warm-hearted man. His temperament explained his willingness to help a stranger that appeared to be in need. It was now a day after Sabina Erickson left court. Tuesday, May 20th, 2008. After a night's rest, Glenn spent the next day making some calls to find Sabina's sister. His brother Paul Hollinshead worked in a hospital. He called to see if a woman had been admitted after an accident on the M6 motorway a few days before. That evening, sometime around 7.40pm, Glenn was preparing dinner for himself and Sabina. Feeling thirsty, he wanted a cup of tea, but realised he had run out of tea bags. So to save a journey to the shops, Glenn took a few short steps through an alleyway to his neighbours and asked if they had some. The neighbour was already outside and glad to help, telling Glenn as soon as he had finished cleaning his minivan, he would go in and get them. Glenn went back inside his house, presumably to continue cooking. He was intercepted by Sabina Erickson. Only moments later, after asking his neighbour for some tea bags, Glenn was again outside in the alleyway. He mouthed the words, She stabbed me as he clutched his chest. Glenn Hollins' head had been fatally injured by one of four stab wounds. In his last words to his neighbour, Glenn pleaded for someone to look after his dog. Armed with a claw hammer, Sabina Erickson flees the scene before the paramedics or the police arrive. She hurriedly walks down the street and to the horror of onlookers, strikes herself on the head with the hammer, her hair now red and matted with fresh blood. She reaches a spot near a roundabout. A brave and fast-thinking driver stops his car and jumps out. After a prolonged struggle, he manages to disarm Sabina, though the ordeal is not over. In the commotion, the driver feels something hard hit his head. From her pocket, Sabina had retrieved a roof tile she had picked up, employing it as a weapon. She quickly takes off, running towards a bridge. Two ambulances were now trailing behind her. She climbs the barrier and jumps, landing feet first onto the tarmac of the A-50 below. Remarkably, Sabina Erickson avoided death once again. 
However, it was almost impossible to jump from 40 feet onto a hard surface and remain unscathed. Finally, taken into custody, she was transported to what is now Royal Stoke University Hospital. Because of the impact, she was found to have two broken ankles and a fractured skull. She left the hospital in a wheelchair two and a half weeks later on June 6th. And following her first venture outside the hospital walls, she was arrested for the murder of Glenn Hollinshead. Investigators hoped to find out what went on. Why did the sisters run out onto the motorway? What made Sabina kill Glenn Hollinshead? But every question posed to Sabina in custody was met with the same response. No comment. While Sabina was awaiting her arrest, convalescing in Royal Stoke University Hospital, her sister Ursula faced a long recovery in a hospital bed after her legs were crushed in the M6 incident. After three difficult months, she was discharged. She travelled to Sweden for a time and then returned to Washington in America where she was living before the now infamous visit to see her twin sister. On an announcement since removed from their website, the Sacred Heart Church posted an update in April 2011 about their new disciple, Ursula Erickson. It read, RCIA rites of scrutiny prayed over her as she opens herself to be illuminated and healed by Christ and delivered from emptiness, illusions and death-prone effects of evil. Following Sabina Erickson's arrest on suspicion of murder, she would still need just over three more months to fully recover in hospital before being discharged on September 11th, 2008. The case was held up due to the delay in receiving medical records from Sabina's native Sweden. It took just under a year. September 2nd, 2009. Sabina Erickson avoided a trial at Nottingham Crown Court by pleading guilty to a charge of manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility. Sabina had still not discussed the reasoning and motives behind her dangerous and erratic behaviour on the motorway or why she stabbed Glenn Hollinshead. Two psychologists had completed independent assessments while she was on remand. They both concurred that Sabina was suffering from a mental disorder or disorders. Still, they were yet to agree on what illnesses they were. 
Dr. Carol McDaniel told the court that Sabina suffered from a rare psychiatric disorder that made her hallucinate. Before sentencing, the doctor remarked, Sabina said she heard voices but could not interpret what they were saying. The psychologists for the defence testified that they believed Sabina Erickson had a shared delusional disorder. Known as folie à deux, it was claimed that Sabina caught, quote, madness, like it was contagious from her sister Ursula, who the defence believed was the source of the mental illness. But neither had Ursula been charged with a crime, leaving England free to continue her life elsewhere, nor had she been assessed by the psychologist for both the defence and prosecution. All they had to go on in that regard was the documentary footage and the notes from Ursula's hospital stay. Anthony Barker QC Mitigating said Ursula and Sabina were living in their own world the day the two attempted to take their own lives and risk the lives of others on the M6 motorway. Quote, They had an enormously strong bond as twins. At some stage, the defendant's own psyche was overborne by her sister's illness. She is appalled she has killed somebody. She has turned to Christianity in prison to help her deal with this matter. The diagnosis from a psychologist acting on behalf of the Crown differed from the defence. The prosecution argued that Sabina had acute polymorphic psychotic disorder, which manifested itself through incoherent speech, delusions and hallucinations. However, in spite of differing opinions on a diagnosis, both the prosecution and defence agreed that Sabina was not responsible for her actions at the time of the killing, but she was sane enough to appear before the court. The judge, Mr Justice Saunders, felt further assessments were needed. He told the court, Neither psychologists say a hospital order would be appropriate. However, it would seem to be a need to ascertain what risk the defendant presents to the public when she is released. The case was again adjourned to prepare for further specialist reports for the judge. On Thursday, November 26th at Luton Crown Court, Sabina Erickson was sentenced. Mr Justice Saunders concluded that based on the medical evidence, Sabina was not entirely responsible for her actions. The judge remarked, I understand that this sentence will seem entirely inadequate to the relatives of the deceased. However, I have sentenced on the basis that the reason for the killing was the mental illness and therefore the culpability of the defendant is low, and therefore the sentence I have passed is designed to protect the public. It is not designed to reflect the grief the relatives have suffered or to measure the value of Mr Hollins' head's life. No sentence that I could pass could do that. 
It is a sentence which I hope fairly measures a truly tragic event. Sabina was sentenced to five years in prison, minus the time she had served on remand. Her release from custody was dependent on a decision made by the parole board, but based on her sentence, she could be released on licence as early as 2011. Following sentencing, Detective Superintendent Dave Garrett of Staffordshire Police spoke outside the courtroom. His comments were reported in the Irish Independent. The reason for the two events may never be known or understood, but it's clear the taking of Glenn's life was a violent and senseless act. Whilst it was a unique and bizarre set of circumstances, it is important that we don't lose sight of the fact that a man lost his life and people close to him have been left grieving. We hope that the fact Erickson has admitted what she has done will help bring some sense of closure to Mr. Hollinshead's family and friends. One of Glenn Hollinshead's brothers, Gary, also spoke with a reporter for The Sentinel. He believed Glenn was just trying to help Sabina find her sister but he questioned why Sabina was released following the motorway incident. We don't hold Sabina responsible, the same as we wouldn't blame a rabid dog for biting someone. She is ill, and to a large degree not responsible for her actions, but her mental disorder should have been recognised much earlier. Gary Hollinshead addressed Sabina Erickson's sentence. I do not want her locked up for life. What about her children? I've got to look at that side. I've just got to respect she was delusional. Another of Glenn's brothers, Paul, whom Glenn tried to call when he was helping locate Sabina's sister, Ursula, lived with their mother, Mary. At the time, she was then in her late 70s. Paul Hollinshead believed his brother's death had affected his mother's health as there was a decline after Glenn's death. Paul said, She really misses him. He spent a lot of time with her. We are all devastated by his death. In September 2010, the BBC aired the documentary which featured the Ericsson twins. It was titled Madness in the Fast Lane. The events of that day on the M6 motorway were shown, as was new footage of Sabina in the police station after the incident. She appears jovial with officers, but sometimes her face changes momentarily to what could be perceived as fear. A significant part of the footage did not make it into the documentary, 
but was later leaked online in late 2012. PC Paul Finlayson can be seen mentioning a 136 to his superior officer who was also being filmed. Mind.org.uk refers to Section 136 of the Mental Health Act in their legal rights section on their website. It reads, Section 136 allows the police to take you to or to keep you at a place of safety. They can do this without a warrant, if you appear to have a mental disorder, and you are in any place other than a house, flat or room where a person is living, or garden or garage that only one household has access to, and you are in need of immediate care or control, meaning the police think it is necessary to keep you or others safe. Before using Section 136, the police must consult a registered medical practitioner, a registered nurse, or an AMHP, occupational therapist, or paramedic. The police can keep you at the place of safety for up to 24 hours, which can be extended for another 12 hours if it is not possible to assess you in that time. The time starts when you arrive at the place of safety, or whenever the police arrived if you are not taken somewhere else. When Sabina Erickson was taken into police custody, Section 136 was not utilised. She was not assessed while detained, therefore she was free to leave following a court appearance. This is understandably a bone of contention with Glenn Hollinshead's family. The closest thing Sabina got to a mental assessment in custody was questioning to make sure she was competent to attend legal proceedings. After she endangered her life and many others, she was out and free to meet Glenn Hollinshead. So where are we now? After her release from prison in 2011, Sabina is thought to have relocated to Norway, while her sister Ursula remains in America. The case of the Ericsson twins has received a great deal of intrigue and interest. The strange and disturbing footage has been watched millions of times. Without any direct confirmation of Ursula and Sabina's motives or their frame of mind at the time of the incidents, conspiracy theories are rife on the internet. Everything from the sisters being brainwashed by a secret department of the government, to the possibility the pair were cyborgs due to Sabina's surprising strength when she was arrested, and Ursula's ability to fend off officers while her legs were crushed. A curious sight almost superhuman. There have been many incidents recorded of what has been labelled hysterical strength, a phenomenon that has reared its head when someone's life is in immediate danger. We've all heard the stories of mothers lifting cars if their child is trapped underneath, 
It has been seen on other occasions too, like the story of Warren Everall, known as Tiny. He sprung into action when a helicopter crashed as it was being filmed in Hawaii for the 1980s television show Magnum P.I. He landed in a stream and its pilot Steve Cux was trapped. The helicopter had to be moved and fast. The pilot was pinned down underwater. Steve Cux's co-worker and fellow Vietnam veteran Warren Everall was at the scene and was filmed moving the 1,550-pound helicopter. Sometimes when our lives are threatened, humans can do incredible things. Sabina and Ursula Erickson were thought to be suffering from folie deux and believed their lives were in danger. Could their remarkable responses on the M6 just have been the result of adrenaline and fear? Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer, Amy Brinton, and everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. are on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.